Hello everybody, it's me Ross and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. And this week's been a bit quieter than the previous weeks. As you know, Paul Cook was appointed and it's been a week since then. Two games for him being in charge. One defeat, one draw, but um, a lot to talk about still on the pitch. Um, it's going to be another big show. Many great uh, pundits, guests, whatever they want to call them. We're calling them the Game Day Extra Time Posse. That's what Heathy calls them anyway. And that will, I think, will... It'll catch on, and I'm hoping it will do. But um, yes, we've got the game day regulars, but we have got a man making his debut, and it is good old Dan. And uh, you'll get used to me calling you good old Dan. Um, but we're going to talk about the... We're going to focus on the Lincoln draw uh, mainly, but we'll have a bit of a sprinkle of the Gillingham defeat. Um, we don't really want to talk about Paul Cook's first defeat in charge, but it happened. Um, but his first home game, it was a 1-1 draw. Lincoln, not a bad side. They took the lead, but then James Wilson was at hand to score his second goal in three games. He's prolific at the moment. Um, your thoughts on the overall draw against Lincoln, uh, just outside the playoffs now? Yeah, thanks for the intro, Roscoe. I've been called much worse. Um, less said about Gillingham, the better. One thing I did say after Gillingham was it was terrible, we really have to get something from Tuesday night. I think that was vital, was not losing Tuesday. And on retrospect, a couple of days afterwards, I think that is a very, very useful point from Tuesday when you look at uh, the other teams losing around us. Um, Performance-wise, it was obviously better than Gillingham. Um, I was happy with that team, with the changes that were made. Obviously, Probably the biggest surprise was was Jack Lancaster coming in from nowhere, even though Cook, it's quite rare for a manager to kind of signal his intentions before the game by actually saying there will be a player coming in from outside the 18. That could have been Matheson, that could have been Judge, it was Lancaster. Um, and I actually thought that we started off pretty well. I thought I thought Edwards looked pretty lively in his first 10 minutes getting down the right and trying to beat his full back. I, I prefer him over Bennett so I've got to say I thought we just looked, the passing seems to be a bit quicker. I mean there's no surprise in the formation we're going to play. We're going to play 4-2-3-1. We're going to try and dominate the ball in midfield um, and for me Dezel, Downs and Bishop are probably the best three midfielders we can get. We still have a lot of work to do to create chances going forward. I mean, that's clear. That will only come on the training ground. But we started off okay, and then Lincoln just came into it. Toto hit, hit our own post with a clearance. Then uh, Morgan Rogers scored a, a, a really good goal. Slightly disappointed, personally, in Holy. Kind of, you know, it was a good good strike. But anyway, we were 1-0 down. I thought he could have made a bit more of an effort. And to be honest, then... You could see, I thought, what a decent team Lincoln were, why they were top of the league, why they've got such a good away record. And if Paul Cook's had five seconds, it's the equivalent of Appleton having five hours because they just looked a well-coached team. They all knew what they were doing. And at that point, it was we have got to stay in this game because if we let another goal in, 2 nils a massive mountain to climb. And it was a game of two halves. I couldn't... We did play much, much better in the second half. The passing seemed to be quicker. We seemed, the, the attitude and effort and desire was no problem at all. Lincoln's, Lincoln did seem to just switch off a little bit, whether that was us. I mean, the only really chance Lincoln had in the second half was a mistake 
by Enciola. But by that point, we had got it to to one all with with Wilson again, and that was a that was a big big goal. And I, and I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I think if Ipswich, if we would have had a little bit more belief when we got it to one one, if we had a bit more confidence in the team. I kind of thought that game was for the taking because it looked like there was only going to be one winner. That is only going to come over time um, and on the training ground and constant selection and players getting to know this quick start. But look, at the end of the day, we had to react after Saturday. We got a point. Teams around us haven't got a point. And if you look forward to Plymouth this weekend, we're in a pretty decent position if we can start getting some wins. Oh, well said, Dan. And uh, that chucks uh, a question over to me. So I'm going to go over to good old Bloomers to to ask him, do you think we could have got more out of the game if we, well, had a bit more attacking threat, really? <laughs> because um, I didn't think we were going to score until that set play goal, basically. No, I, I agree with you, Ross. And I agree with pretty much all of what Dan had to say as well. Um, you kind of have to taper the fact that Paul Cook is a week into the job and has already had two games, uh, which means that the amount of full training sessions he must have, must have is probably about the same as the number of games he's had. So you can't be too critical on any criticism, if you like, especially if you're going to give a, a blank slate to, to this new manager, as uh, you probably should, even though we're in such a precarious position as a club off the field and with everything that we've had uh, over the last few years. Um, I do think that the game was there for the taking, um, and I do think, as a wider point, it's going to be Paul Cook's job to make us more threatening going forward in terms of creating chances and having a little bit more quality in the... Because I think these players have quality. We've always said this, the players have quality. It's having that quality in the final third to, to make more than half a chance is going to decide whether we get in the playoffs or not. I, I, I honestly believe it's going to come down to that. Um, on the game itself... We played for the first 15 minutes well. I was really, I was like, this is a really good watch. This is a good game. Two teams sort of going back and forth with each other. Um, looked quite even, looked quite open. A few little moments of, of quality. The, uh, I don't know the, the Lincoln player's name, I'm sure you guys might do. Uh, the one who absolutely zipped by Chambers in that first 20 minutes when he ran down the room. That was, uh, that was an eye opener. Um, Mick Mill seemed pretty, pretty impressed by that. Uh, and so was I. And then the goal, you can't say it wasn't coming, but I mean, it, it did come a little bit out of nowhere. Um, Thomas Holy, I don't think even him being eight foot 11 is going to get to that. Um, but it's a little bit disconcerting to see that this is four straight goals. So all three goals of Gillingham and then the goal against uh, Lincoln. That's four goals where he said rooted to the spot for every single one. Now, I'm not a goalkeeper. I've never been a goalkeeper. I'm five foot six. So I'd be the worst goalkeeper in the world. But um, I don't understand a goalkeeper being rooted to the spot four goals in a row. That seems quite strange. Again, could he have saved them all? I don't know. Darren, go on. You, you go ahead. I, I know the answer, but I, we can cover that later. But I, I know what the, I know. I know his flaw. I know his flaw. Okay, but, that's but tease, you okay. carry on. <laughs> but I know what it is, I but I don't want to tell anyone because then... Is, if, is if, it being 8 for 11 by any chance? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like so I say, like the goal came out of nowhere. I think going in 1-0 down, I was a bit scared of the second half just because 
as the two of you have said, Ross and Dan, it didn't look like we were going to get many good chances. And this is the fifth goal in a row now that we scored from a set piece. So this is 2014 Mick McCarthy all over again. Um, it's nice to see that if a team is struggling, they manage to still create goals out of nowhere. So I'm certainly not going to make it a negative thing that we scored all these set pieces. And if it's Wilson, if it's Chambers, if it's, I don't care who it is on the end of it, if someone's in the right place to stick the ball in the back of the net, following a set piece, then then in theory, we've done well with them. So that's good. Um, two players I'd single out for a little bit of criticism and I might get some pushback on this again. I still, I've been on and on whether, because I've said before about Troy Parrott that I didn't rate him. I sort of dialed back a little bit on my uh, harshness, I think, after the, it might have been the Northampton game. I was very, very harsh on him. I don't know if it's just me. I just don't. I can understand him being a link-up player for, for the likes of Norwood. I can understand that role. But I don't think I've seen someone so glaring in the last, I don't know, however long I've been watching football. It just seems to make, in the final third, the wrong decision almost every single time when it comes to playing the ball off um, or taking a shot or whatever. I, I don't know if it's just the fact that I've somehow got my beam in my bonnet about Parrot and I've just noticed these things every time and a lot of other players have done the same. But again, there was another glaring uh, moment on, on Tuesday, and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I knew in the back of my head to keep it for this chat, where he had the ball, there was options on, and he's chosen the one where the attack's been brought to a halt or he's been dispossessed. And it just seems to happen on a regular basis. I'm not going to like get on his back about lack of goals because we're in 2021 and a lot of forwards shouldn't be uh, judged on the amount of goals they score, however stupid that sounds, because in this day and age, you can be a forward and do so much more. Um, but I don't know. It's just something about him that I don't seem to get. And I don't know if it is just me. Um, and then the other player, Keenan Bennett, um, I, he's an enigma. He is, He is. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to, to explain my feelings on Keenan Bennett because there's clearly a really, really, really good player in there somewhere. Like, I know... Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach is actually a German giant, but they're you know they're a very solid team, and he's obviously done well to be in their system and to be loaned out to us. And uh, the people at Ipswich have obviously seen something in him, and there is something in him. But maybe that's what we were saying about um, about belief. If he had a little bit of belief, would he be so much more effective? Because he does seem to want to take a lot of people on, on out wide, and he seems to have pretty much a good bit of pace about him. Seems to have a dynamicism I don't know if that's a word but to get to the byline and put stuff back so there's clearly something there but for whatever reason it's just not clicking at the moment um I'm not as hard on him as uh I am on Parrot um although I've seen a lot of people a lot more harsh on Bennett than I am but I think that at the moment I can't exactly put him above any other player that isn't a Loney in our team and the idea is that Loney's make your team better because at the end of the season they go back to their team. Uh, and right now, I couldn't point to, I could not point to one low knee in our team and say, this person is keeping uh, a play on our system out of the squad on merit. Uh, you guys might disagree, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop there and, and let uh, someone else come in. Okay, then, Bloomers. I actually didn't intro you at all, really. I just sort of said, Bloomers, take it <laughs> away. But uh, welcome to the show, as always, my <laughs> friend. But, um, and I'm going to. I was going to go over to Ben, but we've heard from Darren already. So I'm going to go over to Darren, if that's all right with you, Ben. Ben is with us today and have a game day regular. But Darren's already 
chirped in. Um, but I'm always happy for him to, to talk. But um, Darren, over to you then. Um, a few questions there. Bloomers asked about Parrot Bennett's. Um, yeah, Bennett's is a frustrating player to watch. Um, and then you mentioned about Holy. So starting off with the Holy uh, discussion. And welcome to the Hang show. On. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks very much. Yeah, Holy. Look, Holy's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, and he probably gets, he might get into our top 100 lovely people to play for Ipswich. But, but, sorry, I've just got, hang on. Let me switch my phone off. My mother is now trying to FaceTime me. I thought So, the, um, yeah, but he wouldn't get into our top 100 goalkeepers. So he's got so much good about him. He's huge, um, which gives him a natural, you know, you wouldn't want to go one-on-one with him because he's so big. Crossing, if you know, some if a team wants to just float crosses in, that's bread and butter all day long. Um, but he he can't dive to his left. Uh, and I didn't want to come on the show and say that without with just just what was in my head. So I actually, I've just watched about 45 minutes of his YouTube highlights looking for him to be full stretch out to his left making a save. There isn't one. And if you go to the Peterborough game with a free kick to his left, didn't move. The the game against Gillingham outside of the box curling to his didn't move. Again, the weekend didn't or was Tuesday night didn't move. And um I understand I I used to play in goal as well. Obviously I'm not trying to compare myself to a professional footballer, but I used to play in goal to some sort of level. Um but I couldn't dive to my left. My my brain didn't tell my legs what to do. To my right, I'll save everything. You shoot to my right, I've, I've got you all day long. But And I think he might suffer from the same thing. So I hope I hope that's just coincidence. And, it's you know, he just it's just unlucky that all the shots going in and to his left. But mm-hmm. at the minute, you know, it's... Uh, Cornell has not really been given much of a chance, I don't think, either. He, he looked pretty dodgy at the start of the season, I thought, when, when he had a few games. Um, but he hasn't done an awful lot wrong, really. And maybe if we get away from this, trying to play the ball around at the back like we're by Munich or something, then, you know, that might suit other players as well. So, um yeah, and in terms of the low knees, you're absolutely right. The low knees, you know, we've had a, you know, the last 10 years, we've had a a pretty uh, solid record of low knees. You know, Mick McCarthy was the king of the, you know, low knees. You know, some of the low knees, we've had like Gio Von Santos and, you know, some incredible players at Ipswich. But I think some of these guys that have just come in um, only came in because of the under 21 rule. Um, and the the league salary cap that came in, so I think that's why it's Harrop. <laughs> I know it's crap now. It's too late now, isn't it? Bloody hell! But um, yeah, so I think that's the only reason why we we got those particular kit. You know, they've all got a long way to go. Um, Bennett's obviously was signed at the start of the season with the hope that he was some, you know, rough diamond that the club were going to get a lot out of at the level that we're playing at, and um, you know he. He, well, I mean, David is probably his biggest critic on the for regular followers of the podcast. But he, um, yeah, he's got fantastic, you know, athleticism, 
but then he just can't cross the ball. And if you're a winger, a bit like your boy Edwards as well, you know, I've, he's uh, for all of his good things, crossing the ball is not one of his strengths. And if you're a professional footballer as a winger and you can't cross the ball very well, that's that's a bit of a problem. So, I mean, the game on Lincoln, if you want me to talk for like two seconds about Lincoln game, that actually the first 15 minutes, as everyone said, we were, we were pretty, you know, we were okay. And what I liked about that is maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I like my right wingers to be right footed and my left wingers to be left footed so that when we, you know, to get the ball, let's knock it and cross it. So much over the last few years, we've been playing with, you know, what's the term these days, inverted wingers and all that, where everyone wants to come inside all the time and we don't get an early cross into the box. So um, I was quite pleased. And if you, obviously it was a very clear instruction for Edwards at the week on Tuesday night, certainly that whenever he got the ball, he faced up his, the left back and then he just tried to knock it and cross it. That's, that's all he was trying to do, um, which I love to see that. But I think after about the third or fourth time, I think the defender worked him out and then, I don't think <laughs> I don't think he got another cross in for the rest of the game, but he was trying to do that. And obviously Lancaster on the left, um, he was you know maybe a bit quieter than Edwards in the in the first half. But he's a left footer on the left. I I, I love that. The the thing, obviously everyone's mentioned we were a bit lethargic. It was very slow. I mean our throw-ins. I was shouting at the TV, Chambers and Kenlock. How long do they want to take for a throw-on? The throw-in. So maybe we were just too spread apart. There wasn't many, you know, runs and everything, but they just took so long. And um, yeah, second half, Lincoln didn't really want to win by the looks of it. They were just quite happy to sit there, take the point, um, maybe catch us on the break, but they they were pretty poor, really, second half. If we had really, you know, put, stood on their throat and had a go, then, um, you know, we, we could have maybe undeservedly come away with three points, but... Um, it's a good point. It's another. It's a point. As I said on Tuesday, we just have to keep picking up points, wins and draws, wins and draws. Just keep picking up points. We've got to get into that top six. And then we need a decent run of being able to sort of move away from that team in seventh so that we're not going into the last game of the season, a la, you know, all the late 90s where we're, you know, needing something from the last game of the season to, to you know, keep the season going. So, um, the thing I noticed as well, um, in a, you, you can ask my wife, I'm a, I'm a big fan of two up front. Um, and, uh, the Bishop was making all these lovely runs, but there's no one ahead of him. So he, he, he did what he does, you know, Bishop's fantastic. He gets the ball, knocks it, dribble, 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 takes one man, two man, three man. And then when he looked up, everyone's behind him apart from Norwood and Norwood's got four defenders. So if, you know, if this, uh, it sounds from everything that everyone said uh, about Cook that he's very rigid. He likes to stick to this four, two, three, one formation at everywhere he's been. The, the boys have got to obviously learn that, that formation a bit better because when we break, the, you know, we can't just have two men against all, four, you know, four of their defenders and someone else sitting back. So, um, yeah. Look, Tuesday, it's a say. It's a point. We move on. He's he's notched up now. He hasn't gone to two losses, and um, we're now just outside the playoffs. Bring on Saturday. Let's have it.
Okay, then, Darren, thank you very much, as always. Over to you then, John. It's always good to have you involved. Um, the question to you, really, is what you thought of Paul Cook's first two game in charge. Are you liking him so far? Yeah, lots. Um, well, thanks for having me on, Ross. And, uh, as ever, it's good to be back with you, my friend. Um, Lincoln, firstly, as a team, there's a recipe there for what we could do, you know, when we release players this summer. It doesn't take a lot of money and it takes a good coach and somebody who knows the league to put a team together and make a performance. Um, so, you know, part of me is really proud of a team like Lincoln and you, you look at them and think, oh, they're doing cracking. But part of me finds it a little bit depressing that we're looking up to a team like Lincoln City. Um, maybe that says something about how far we've fallen. As for Paul Cook, you know, I've enjoyed his press conferences. I found his energy and his um, optimism and his humour and his character really uplifting and so much more refreshing having had the dour Paul Lambert um, for, for so long. Um, so, like you rightly say, I don't think we can judge Paul Cook on anything so far. You know, he's only been in the job for nine days. And two of those were days off for the players. Two of them were travelling. Sorry, three were days off, actually. Um, the actual games themselves have come thick and fast. So he's not had much time with them. So you can't really judge him yet, nor should we. I think you can judge the players because they've all been at the club for a lot longer. I'm disappointed with the players, if I'm being honest. Um, especially against Gillingham. I thought... They were really disappointing in terms of what they produced for a new manager. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I expected a better reaction. Like that energy and that movement and that work rate, I expected that to be the fundamental under a new manager. A little bit like they did for Gill in his interim period. Um, the Gillian game was almost as bad as Northampton performance. Um, as all the boys have said so far, there was a lot of um, positives to take. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't particularly good either. I find Kate, um, Kane and Bennett just so frustrating. Like some of his crosses go out for free kick, um, for, for, sorry, for throw-ins. Um, they don't get anywhere near where they should be. And like the, the people have said already, um, I think it was Dan right at the start and Bloomers as well were saying, you know, he's got something in him, but he just, he's so far off from being that finished product. Um, frustrating. I, I don't. I can't think of a more frustrating Ipswich Town player for a while. Maybe J. Emmanuel Thomas, because he had bags of talent and was wasted. And you know, you could see when he turned on. I remember at Hull City, he scored a screamer. And yet in the first half, he was dreadful, absolutely so frustrating. And Bennett is not the same kind of lethargy as uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas had. But he's is frustrating because he does some of the hard work, gets in a good position, and then the final end product is dreadful. Um, one thing I want to pick out that nobody has said so far, um, I know Mick Mills commented on on Tuesday night, was just how the Lincoln tactic was to leave um, Toto and Ciala with the ball. And at some points, Toto was walking and standing still with the ball. There wasn't enough movement for him. They knew his passing was limited. Yeah, maybe right at the beginning of the season, he played a couple of killer through balls, but he's not renowned for being the best passer of the ball. And if anybody else is watching 
uh, Ipswich down play, they're going to do, I would do exactly what Lincoln did. You know, if I was looking at how well they managed us as a team, they they, they set up well. And their, their setup was similar to ours, apart from they, their, their wingers or inverted wingers were better than ours. You know, they knew their role better. And I think Cook's going to have to work on that. And we're going to have to work on the fullbacks getting further forward as well. Um, I would probably look at dropping Toto, and we will come to this. But, you know, either moving Chambers inside or bringing back Wolfenden, because Wolfenden can play a ball. And if you bring Chambers inside and put Matheson there, although he seems way out of the choice at the moment, if you bring Matheson there, he gives you the fullback kind of bombing on that Cook may want. So that might be a change we see in due course. Um, what I would, John, what I would say on that, just it, I don't know what you think, lads, but if you watch it, teams are, when, when teams are man-marking Andre Dezel, Dezel is that kind of quarterback that drops 10 yards to receive the ball. And Lincoln just had a man on Dezel. And that was quite clever because that, that's when we had to give it to Toto. And if he, sometimes if it feels like if you know quite early with Dezel if he's going to have a good game or not. Sorry, back to you. I'll take, I'll take your point with Toto. But I think Lincoln did a bit of a job on us there. Yeah, and I think that comes how they set up, really. They did their homework. Appleton's clearly a, a, a good coach because he did his homework well. They played us exactly the way they would have wanted to, their game plan. They would have settled for a point away, I would have thought, even though they were above us. There's another good point on the road, isn't it? Um, and you're right. One of my points I was going to make was Dizelle looks jaded, but perhaps it was more down to them marking him well and playing him out of the game. But, you know, he hasn't been as good generally the last few games as he, as he was... Uh, for a few weeks beforehand. Um, and I also think we need to see more from Flynn Downs. We all know what a good player he is. And I think he um, Cook will want a powerhouse in that midfield, won't he? And Downs at his best can do that. We've just not seen that yet. And I would argue that if Cole Skuse was fit, and he looks like he's finally getting back to it, I wouldn't be surprised if before the end of the season we see Skuse and Downs as the two central midfielders with Bishop or Judge in front of them. Um, can I just say Wilson's been excellent since he's been back in the team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stu Watson commented a few weeks ago that he thought Alan Judge had been the best player this calendar year. And I said, probably Wilson's not far behind him. And I think because of Judge's sad um, situation, and let's just take a pause from football and go, Let's all be human. He's had a big, significant loss, and you know, love and best wishes to him. But if we go back to Wilson, Wilson's made such an impact, hasn't he? He scored some goals. He's given um, solidity at the back. He's a proper League One defender, and he can be relied on. So good on James Wilson. Um, yeah, um, and the, my final point, Ross, um, is just going back to your question about the low needs, and you know. I get having a loanee to cover a position, like maybe a loanee keeper, if you've got like your main keeper and you want to bring somebody in as backup. But generally, like uh, I can't remember who it was, uh, said that you want loanees to um, back up, so you improve your actual squad and in improve your starting 11. Now, Matheson's nowhere near the team at the moment. McGuinness has just been dropped from, you know, from sight. Um, Parrot. 
and Bennett are still featuring and Harrop a little bit. Um, I don't know where Thomas is either. I don't know if he's still got a knock or if he's just forgotten man as well. But there's six loanees. Three of them are nowhere near the squad at the moment. Yeah. If we're not tied into having them, release them. Because I would personally rather see Endaba call back as cover if we really need it in due course for McGuinness. Because we've still got Wolford and Jabers to step inside at the moment. So we're well covered in that area. And it, I'm a bit disappointed we haven't seen more of Matheson, even though it'll be Chambers who will either drop out on the side. Um, but Bennett's, for me, isn't good enough. He's had his run. I'd rather see Dobro, Lancaster, other Ipswich players be given that opportunity. I think Parrot's the only exception. And I know um, Bloomer's... Uh, is critical of Parrot, and I, I can say exactly what he means. It's like when you buy a new car, you spot your car all over the place, don't you? And perhaps Bloomers is now he's noticed Parrot's final problem. I've noticed that with um, Bennett. Every time he's on the ball, I go, he's doing good stuff, he's doing good stuff. Oh, there's the final product. And maybe Bloomers, you, you're a little bit like that with um, with Parrot. I it's Parrot almost, yeah, I was saying, it's almost like you're expecting it to happen. So when it does happen, you get more annoyed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it just becomes like annoying habit that you've noticed mm. and i just think that parrot at least offers a physical presence that i don't think we've got in the squad um with hawkins not no nowhere near and drying's not quite up to that i know mark hates crying as i say that but you know um so i would if it depends on the contract situation clearly but you know if money's an issue and we're paying these guys i mean why have we got mark mcginnis now I can't see the point. Yeah, just on that, it's like if we think Bennett's is why? What's Luke? Why have we got Luke Thomas at the club? He's worse than Bennett's. And the fact, I'm not, you know, I, I wish any player the best at Ipswich, but he, he's not really been good enough. It's a, I think what Lambert did, and I think Darren alluded to it, was the salary cap in the under twenty ones. But it's complete mismanagement. We've got six low needs. We can only name five in a squad. There's no way Spur, like, Wolves are going to be going, well, where's, where's Matheson? Arsenal are going to be looking, well, McGuinness, he's not even getting on the bench. The, on the flip side to that, I guess it's, with the running, he's relentless and it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. There's an argument that you need a big squad to get through that. But on the flip side, Paul Cook said today, when you've got a big squad, it's really hard to keep them all happy. And do you go Ipswich players two for each position, keep morale up, or you've got a squad of 27, one of those low needs is going to miss out from the squad, let alone the bench. So, sorry, anyway, over to back to you guys. Winds me up that. We don't need Thomas. Not with not with Lancaster and Dobra and Edwards and Bennett, uh, sorry, uh, and, and Bishop and Judge. We don't, we don't need him. And we're not even mentioning another player there who's not even in the Jeez. squad, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, our squad is too big and uh, there will be a call at some point, won't they? Um, yeah. There's definitely going to be a call. So over to you then, Ben. Uh, you have heard what the guys have said, um, your take on the Lincoln draw and all the other questions that were thrown in there. Where would you like to start through um, the Lincoln game? Uh, through the Lincoln game, yeah, I'm happy with a point, as I think a few of the boys said. Um, you know, at half time, I was thinking this could be actually horrific. Uh, I think they were they were by far the better team. 
they looked well looked like a team that they where they are on the table they deserve to be there a couple of really good young sort of quick players they they look really threatening going forward every time they isolated chambers almost had a heart attack even at the age of 35 um yeah i was i was i was really worried you know thinking cook's got you know a hell of a lot of work on his hands here which which you know he does anyway but Half time, I think, came at a good time for us. He managed to get the boys in the dressing room, and, and we did come out, I think, a better side. Um, Lincoln, I think, allowed us to. I was slightly baffled by their tactics. Um, if I was a Lincoln City fan, I think watching that second half, I'd have been a bit disappointed with the way they just sat back and and let us come on to them. I, I, look, obviously, they've watched the tapes of us, and you know, confident in their own ability to keep a clean sheet against a team that doesn't look like creating much from open play at the moment. Um, but thankfully, we had Willow turn up with another set-piece header. Um, and he, you know, since he's come back into the fold, he's been an absolute revelation for us. Um, I was never his biggest fan before. just thought he was sort of fine for now, kind of centre-half. You know, a League One centre-half, when he gets it, he boots it out. You know, that classic thing as you're growing up playing football, you know, better safe than sorry. He's definitely got that attitude at the back. But, you know, needs must at the moment. And that's a good platform to start with. You know, get 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 rid if you're in doubt. Um, and, and, well, let's face it, we, we could have, you know, on another day, we could have been really streaky and gone on and won the game. So I think the fact we've got a point, I think, was probably a fair result. And I think I was, I think overall town fans were happy with it. Um, but it, it still highlighted the errors that we had in the Gillingham game and, and, and probably all season that we don't score enough goals. And the reason we don't score enough goals is because we don't even create enough chances. Um, I, I want to sort of put in at this point something that Bloomers has covered already. I, I, I don't rate Troy Parrott, unfortunately. Uh, I, I hope that he shows us more. I, I hope that um, he proves me and Bloomers wrong and, you know, if there's other town fans out there, he works hard, no doubt. And, and, and Lambert said at the end of his tenure how hard he works and, and um, Paul Cook said the same. But uh, you put me on the 90 minutes and I'll run my heart out for Ipswich Town. You know, I, I'll probably be able to pick a pass in the final third as well. Uh, and I'm certainly nowhere near as good as, um, as a professional footballer as Troy Parrott is, of course. Um, but it, it's frustrating watching, uh, you know, again, another low knee stopping our players develop who, when we get in that final third, I mean, poor James Norwood. You know, I just keep thinking we've probably got one of the top five strikers in the league um, and we just don't supply him with the chances. Um, I know he missed against Accrington, he missed a few, but he did still score in that game and that's what's important. We, he, didn't, he didn't have a sniff on Tuesday night. What's the point of having a striker of his capability if you're not even getting, getting him a half a chance? You know, we don't get close enough to him. You know, Bishop is a very, very good player. He looks like he's coming back into some really good form. I like the look of him. The wingers just don't get close enough to Norwood. I think it's the wingers is the problem. When we go forward, that phase of play where you should be creating triangles between your Bishop, Norwood, and then the wingers, whoever it is, and then you've got the other winger coming out at the back stick. It's just not happening. And we also don't move the ball quick enough to do that either. I know we've touched on that many times before. And, but that's something Cook is going to bring to us. I, I, I'm really encouraged by his appointment, as we touched on before. I'm really encouraged with his enthusiasm. And hopefully that will just burst through into the team at some point. I think we are going to get a performance somewhere where we're going to beat a team. Out of nowhere, probably, it will look like. But from us, maybe following town and... Maybe I'm getting sort of like up in the euphoria of this new appointment and Cook being, in, you know, very enthusiastic on the touchline um, and this attacking football that he's wanting to bring to us. But I, I, I believe that it could happen Saturday, that we could go and win three or four. 
Um, Norwood will bag a couple and, and maybe um, we'll, we'll comfortably get in the playoffs. I think for, I think top two is, is beyond us, but uh, I, I'm still very optimistic. I think the point was a hard-earned one against Lincoln, and you know we move on to Saturday and uh, see how we uh, see how we do against the uh, against Plymouth. Yeah, of course we'll cover the preview of Plymouth later on in the show. Um, the next sort of segment for us to cover, I want to go over to you, Dan, first. And of course, it's been a year. A year that the the world's gone to shit basically because of course COVID and all that. Um, of course, a lot of lives, um, uh, you know, people have died, and it's been a, it's been a strange year for us all. Um, working from home, furloughs, lockdowns, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and football changed completely as well. Behind closed doors games. Um, of course, last season the season got not an avoid basically, and points per game and all that jazz, uh, finishing eleventh. Um, but it's been a year um, since. Fans were in the ground, home or away. Um, so over to you, Dan, your, your experience of watching games on iFollow. And um, can you remember the last game you went to? Were you there for the, the Coventry 1-0 defeat? I was at the Coventry 1-0 defeat and I was pretty glad that I wasn't going back to Portman Road again. <laughs> it didn't, yeah, but it's terrible. It's not the same. It's it's not the same. Um, I just miss football. I mean, I've been watching a lot of non-league when I could watch non-league. I love watching football. I'll go and, and I've got a 12-year-old son who's Ipswich Daft. And that's one of the benefits of... I'm a season ticket holder in the North Stand. He was too young to come into the North Stand. So I've actually watched all the games of him this season that I can, I know I follow. And I've loved that. But that's, that's... I haven't done that. And that's been brilliant. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a ticket for the, the Burton home game. And, you know, two and a half hours there, two and a half hours back from where I live. And I was so lucky to get it. And I was like a kid at Christmas. I was literally, I was like 12 years old. I was like, I can't believe it. I'm going to Portman Road again. And let's go and get a pint. Let's go and get two pints. Oh, we've got to order burger and chips with it as well. It was when you had to go and order food. And we were eating our food really quickly. And I was I was dead excited. And, and even that, it was weird. It was like 2,000 fans there. And, um, but... You know, it wasn't. It, it, it's not the same. Um, I'm interested what the last thing, but I, what, one thing I would say is there's been times this season when I've watched us, and I've been thinking if there was even fifteen thousand in, it would be toxic. Lambert would have been getting pelters, quite rightly. I never want anyone to fail. I don't want abuse to be personal, but based on performances, it was terrible. It's tedious, and I thought if there is fans there. It would not be good, and arguably Lambert might have gone a bit earlier, potentially. And then on the flip side of that, I did think on Tuesday night, and def- definitely this Saturday, it would be rocking. And that's the other flip side to it, Twitch. And you do think, you know, that's where the crowd can really help. If, if, if we start on the front foot and start creating a few chances and maybe get our noses in front, Ipswich is a difficult place. And... You know, it's a real shame it doesn't look like fans are going to go back. So I guess we'll just have to um, get in the playoffs and we can all go and watch it, mate. Definitely. And as, I thought it was just a, a good segment to have on, on the pod um, this week because it has been a year, you know, it's it's been a mental year. Um, over to you, Bloomers. And as, you know, Dan was saying, I'm sure the stadium would have been rocking Tuesday night and definitely this Saturday, um, Paul Cook's first home game in charge was, was of course, the Lincoln game. Um, what's your take on the year without fans? And it, it proves how important fans are for football clubs, being in that, that, that ground and bringing the atmosphere and cheering the boys on. And also sometimes, you know, 
I would say a tip, you could say it's intimidating the away team as well. <laughs> Not sure how often in the past, uh, in the 21st century, whether it's just been, been called an intimidating place to go to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I so I, I work in the betting industry. Um, so this year has probably affected me almost almost more than um, a lot of others because it has affected my uh, professional life as well. Um, and in November, I had to, well, I was forced by my company to change roles. So I've kind of seen it firsthand. Um, and yeah, I, I, I miss football terribly. I think what this has taught me is that Football, the, the match itself and, and football in general is such a minuscule part of the day of football if I'm going to watch a game. Um, now, I'm like uh, John and by the sounds of it, Dan, who, who don't live in Ipswich or indeed Suffolk. Um, I, I live in South London, so it's a, it's a good couple of hours journey to and from home games and much more than that if it's, if it's a northern away game. So I go to several a season but certainly not a season ticket holder anymore even though I was for, for so long um but it's it's weird I'm, I'm a man in my late or late-ish 20s and there was a group of 10 of us that went to all these games it went to nine it went to eight it went to seven and indeed in this last year there's there's two uh more of my friends that have had children so it might even go below that um once everything's said and done but these games, especially the home games, so important to me in catching up with old friends, making a day of it, the atmosphere when you go to a game itself, especially at Portman Road. And it all got taken away and it's been really, really tough. Just it's not the same on TV. It's not. And, and um, I've kind of gotten used to watching games of football on TV without any crowd. In fact, the Arsenal game's just on behind the uh, computer. And that's OK. But when it comes to my team, it's still not. It's still not quite sitting right. Um, and then that's not to say the havoc it's caused to non-league football. I'm quite a, a, a um, long-time follower of Berrytown, my, where I was born, my local uh, non-league team. Now how it's been for them. And indeed, where I live in, in London, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I'm in between two non-league teams, pretty much. Um, Tooting and Mitcham and Dulwich Hamlet. And Dulwich Hamlet are, are being completely ravaged by, by the situation as well. And these non-league clubs are the lifeblood of our um, our sport, especially in this country. And the powers that be, especially in these lower leagues, have been very poor in how they've dealt with things. I know it's not exactly been easy, but if we lose these non-league clubs, we're going to see a very, very different picture in this game, especially if big clubs get their say and get reserve teams in in our lower leagues. Uh, and I don't want that. And, and I know that having non-league teams in London, as tough as it is, is with being in a capital city so yeah this year's been i know i've kind of double gone straight away from things we've been talking about but i just wanted to paint a picture of football in general over this last year and, and how it's affected so many different things i think i completely agree with dan lambert would have been gone so much quicker if um if crowds had been back in there's no way anyone would have put up with some of the crap that came especially in the start of this calendar year would it have meant we got paul cooking if lambert would have gone in january or december who knows? That's that's uh, something to think about. But yeah, it would be the dream ending, wouldn't it? Because fans can come back for the playoffs as it stands. If we were to be able to invite fans back when, if we finish in the top six or from third to sixth. But I feel like it's classic Ipswich that 
this is probably the most precarious position the club's ever been in and, and it coincides with the season where there's been zero fans for any of the games so i don't know how much of an effect it's had on field i feel like it certainly had an effect on the manager in the manager situation and when we come back and it's going to be sooner rather than later i don't feel like it's going to be another year it's going to feel and i don't want to sound cliche but it's going to feel like home again because for those of us that don't live in ipswich or, or aren't lucky enough to go to every game i think people don't realize how important it is just to go to a match even if it's a local team but especially when it's when it's your lifelong club so Bring on whenever it, it, it happens again. It might be next season for me if I don't get a playoff ticket, but it will just be good to get some routine back again, whether I have one person to go with or or the whole gang. We're getting deep on this pod tonight, but um, that's what it's all about sometimes. We, we're a family. That's what football is all about as a family. And um, as you were saying, uh, Bloomers, you know, Darren and John, you know, they're, they're mainly... Uh, away games because uh, they live so far away um, and you'll be thinking why, why are they supporting town they're so far away because they're crazy that's why but um, Darren um, you know you know you and John and Neaton Bloomers you know normally as you said you know you, you can't get you can only maybe get to one or two home games a season so you've been able to watch them all on iFollow thankfully um, camera work's been a bit dodgy here and there but just get you get on with it um, but you know away games that's another thing you know a year without away games just you know going to some of the, the these grounds, you know, some of the grounds we probably will never go to ever again if we get back into the championship because likelihood we won't be playing the Rochdales and the Fleetwoods and all that stuff again because, uh, yeah, I'm sure they will never get to that that height to the championship. But, um, yeah, you're, you're here experiencing, you know, I follow games and no away games. Um, yeah, so the, I think I was at the... I think I was at, well, I was at the last away game. I think we were away to Blackpool where we lost that in the 94th yeah. minute or wherever it was. Um, so we, we were there and then for that. Um, but uh, yeah, from an iFollow point of view, um, I watched the games with my son as well. Um, we watched every game, even though at some point in the season I refused to pay any more. My son kind of talked me around, took, picked up my, my toys and I put them back in my pram and carried on. Um, but uh, yeah, we we've kind of tr- we try and make a, an event out of it. So I'm a bit of a foodie, so I'll you know I'll get some food in, and you know we try and make a bit of a day. We put all our kits on, like we would have done if we were going to the game, and we just try and make it something to do. You know, I think as far as a year goes, I mean, clearly the whole world has has changed. Nothing was going to be the same after this pandemic is is over. Um, and I think for me, what it's what it's makes you do about everything, football being one of them, is how much you just appreciate things, whether that's you know your family, you know going shopping, going on holiday, you know just doing all these things that we took for granted, and um, you know all of us are here. Clearly, all of us love football, and football um, is is probably something that all of us have probably been guilty of just taking. For granted, there's games you could have gone to which you didn't. There's, you know, and I certainly I'm going to make a lot more of an effort once you know things are open and we can start going to games again. And uh, you know, it's I, I get you know to, to go. You know, if we're going to go deep, let's go deep. You know, if you <laughs> you you just kind of have to evaluate. Uh, you know, of what what's important. You know, when this is all when the lockdown's all over, what what is it that you really love doing? 
what what do you enjoy what do you want to do with your time now you know if you you've got some opportunity again and um yeah football's definitely you know high up on the list of something i can do with my son um and you know it's it it will be great i mean certainly from a i think from a football fan point of view um i think this could be a good thing long term because i think clubs will have a new appreciation of fans certainly the players definitely will because for many many years um there's a lot of players who are guilty of you know earning their cash taking lots of money home and you know looking down at the fans like they're nothing you know and swanning off and not talking to them not signing autographs all that not all of them obviously but now you know if you're a professional footballer and you're not playing in front of anyone it's not the same thing and I think they'll appreciate the fans the fans will appreciate being back in the ground and the clubs will appreciate the fans being there so I think all in all how long that lasts I'm sure there'll be this lovely golden period the first two games of the season and then <laughs> and then the booze will come out again but um uh yeah i mean we just can't wait and and as as bloomers has said you know hopefully if the rates you know the rate infection rate keeps down um a few lucky people will get a golden ticket uh and i'm making a massive assumption that we're going to be in the playoffs but you know if we do make it to the playoffs where's some wood and touch wood yeah. My, office is, my office is full of Ikea. I don't think there's this bit of wood in here at all. But um, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, some lucky people are going to get there. And they say, hopefully, um, you know, we, we're there. We've got a very good record at, at, at Wembley. I played 2-1-2. Two, two. So, um, so oh, Wembley now. Doesn't matter. It's all on the same soil underneath, surely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can't wait, you know, and... Uh, you know, life is as uh, as has, has just stopped, hasn't it? So, well, I'm looking forward to just getting back to you know doing what I love doing, appreciating everything, family, time, traveling, whatever that is, and uh, and football being one of those things. God, we're getting we're getting very emotional. People listening right now will be thinking, God, this is getting deep. Um, <laughs> we've still got John and Ben to get through. Um, I want to go over to John because. One thing I've got out of this um, lockdown thing is, of course, been able to create this podcast and meet all you great people as well. So I'm going to get deep as well. Um, but, John, I've probably spoken to you the most I've ever spoken to you. Um, I first met you at an away game. I think it was Lincoln, weren't it? Um, was it the Alan Judge winner or was it just a random – was it Alan Judge late winner in the FA Cup? It was the Alan Judge winner. Yeah, I it came over to you. The replay, yeah. Before the game, and then I spoke to you after the game. Yeah, well, um, that's another thing, you know. You sometimes you you become friends with just random strangers via, you know, just going to games, away games, and stuff. And you know, as you said, you've been able to watch every game this season. Like you can't normally watch home games because it's not streamed or it's not live on TV. Only time it is live on TV is if it's on Sky, and our record on Sky is dreadful. <laughs> so we won't get into that, but. What have you taken out of this year of, you know, watching games on iFollow and I'm yeah. sure away games you always get excited to go to. Definitely we've had Donny, Lincoln, Sunderland, all those teams around you and you've not been able to go. It's annoying. Yeah, it's been so frustrating for us all on so many levels. You know, when Ipswich were in Doncaster, it's like three, four miles from a house at Hull's 40 minutes drive. You know, you, you know, Sunderland, my hometown, I would have been there. I spoke to you there last year. That, 
feels really weird um and it's just been unusual and it seems to have been forever doesn't it you almost lose track of life bc before covid um uh, for me the last get live game i was at i think it was the blackpool on the 29th of feb and then sunderland at the beginning of february um last year so yeah it's it's 13 months since i was at a live game now um probably the longest i've ever been because even when i lived in dubai for seven years i used to come home twice a year and see as many games in the period i was at home whether it was christmas or in the summer i used to go to the first home game of the season at portman road in the first two away games wherever they were before i flew back abroad um you know i might as well be in dubai at the moment because i'm as near as to ipswich town as i am in doncaster because you just can't go anywhere so um the weather would have been a lot bloody nicer as well um negatives of covid you know without going into the the, the grand scheme of the world and you know, we've all missed out on things you know I've had to work in a ever-changing environment um, with different pressures, managing staff's concerns and anxiety about health. Um, I've been COVID positive myself. I had to close school when we had nine positive cases in September. It was like a really shitty, difficult time. Um, still not fully over it. I don't think people understand that just for an average person who's relatively fit and relatively healthy, thankfully. Six months on, I'm still got fatigue that I've never experienced before. Um, but with regards to football, I've realised that maybe I don't like watching football on telly as much as I thought I would. Because the beginning of the season, I watched every pre-season friendly. I've never done that before. And I was watching every game. And then maybe it's because we we're playing shite football under um, Paul Lambert. that I got really bored of watching. And I was like, oh, God, I'm doing it to myself again. Here's another tenor to the, the Marcus Evans coffers for me to sit and go, oh my God, this is so boring. How, however, you know me, I always try to put my positive twist on things. And like you alluded to, Ross, um, you know, basically I've connected with people I never knew before. Um, I was listening to the KOA pod and the main pod all of the time. And I, I started using Twitter um, purely to text the show uh, because I think I was the only one using Facebook for it and I didn't get my messages read. So I had to catch up and get with the times. Um, I feel like I made connection with, you know, the game day posse has grown and there's people I now know when I go to a game to watch, I will look out for and go and have a beer with, um, go and, you know, stand hopefully when we, you know, probably in some shittier way and when you can choose which seat you sit in, go and actually stand with these fine people and, uh, and I know what I'm going to do. You know, I said to um, my wife the other day, she's gone on, she's booked a holiday with her friends to um, Jamaica, can you believe, for a week next year. I've given the pass out to go. I'm left home alone with the kids and work. I said, yeah, darling, you can do that. You deserve it. You deserve it. Knowing in the heart of hearts that I'm going to get my ass out of Portman Road when we can, and I'm going to stay in some greasy travel lodge, and I'm going to yeah. go out and get with people who I've never met before and enjoy having a beer after watching Ipswich in the championship. That's what I'm looking forward to, my lad. Um, so, you know, connection with good people has been the thing. You know, I, I love being on Twitter now. Uh, I've connected with lots of good Ipswich Town fans. Um, you know, KOA has been a great thing for me. And the, 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 the game day extra time, as well as game day extra, has been brilliant. So, you know... Even this week, I had a, uh, an email with Dan Palfrey from Switch Town, and they've announced that they were talking about um, setting up or reinvigorating some of their fan groups, and they want the Far Away Blues 
fans. So I've been in touch with Dan and said, I'll be happy to be in, in that kind of forum and suggesting maybe like, you know, a Northern supporters club or whatever, you know, because I love my club. And for the first time in my life, I've got people who I could talk to about the club without just turning completely glazed over. You know, I've got my girls into football a little bit. I've got twin girls who are 10. Um, last year, Jess decided she supported Liverpool and uh, Leila decided she supported Man City. So we managed to get tickets for oh, Man City. Yeah. And we got managed to get tickets for Anfield. And to be fair, we had a great day out at Anfield. But, you know, I've taken them to... We, they did come to me um, with me to Bolton last year when we won 4-0 right at the beginning of... Or 4-0, 5-0 at the oh, beginning yeah. of the season against their kind of kids... Um, and they've been to the Donny game down at Portman Road last year. But because it's on telly now, they they might have come to a home game with me this season. I would have convinced to have a family weekend away, so I could have got a game in. But they're bored of football. They've drifted out of that, that potential love of football at the age of nine. And I think there's probably some kids who are going to be like that, who maybe don't get to experience the days out. Because all the boys are right. When you're at a natural match, it's for me, it's like that. Get my... I only really wear an Ipswich shirt when I'm at an Ipswich game. Uh, it's getting my shirt out and putting on, maybe putting a scarf or something on my back shelf of my car and me looking at the map the night before going, how long should I allow for the traffic? I want to be there to watch the players come on a warm-up so I can get the atmosphere in. I want to have a beer before the match and leave enough time so it's gone down before I have to drive home alone. Uh, it's quite a sad day uh, in some ways. But I've been to many away games by myself and, you know, I still enjoy the atmosphere and uh, normally get speaking to good people. You know, I'm a bit of a chatterbox. I'm happy to talk to the people next to me. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to being in the ground, standing with Ipswich fans, singing about one of our own, maybe, or me shouting, how a man gets stuck in and everybody turning and looking at me and thinking, oh, he's not from those parts. Um, you know, so yeah, it's been a shitty year in many, many ways. But, like, you know, for me, the biggest highlight of COVID is um, being involved in more things up town with you, Ross. And I thank you for including me in all that. I as I say with emotional. me, John, I think because um, I've been to quite a few games on my own as well over the last few years. In fact, I remember going to Derby on a Tuesday night on my own from London, and we won one 0 I think Varney scored. But like, it's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's you'd rather not do it. You'd still rather go with someone. Um, unfortunately, there's not too many Ballon Blues around. Um, but now I know that there'll be faces to look out for and, and inevitably conversations to be struck. So if there's an to come out of, of COVID, it's that. Well, well, I saw, uh, when there's a corner or a free kick, I don't know about you, I actually get up out of my chair and stand up thinking we're going to score here. That's that's We've next got, level, Dan. That is next that, level. That is OCD. But I'm literally, I'll get me and my boy go, right, stand up, we've got a corner, stand up, we've got a free kick. You sat straight back down, nothing ever happened. It's a natural urge. I'm going to run around the kitchen in a minute, I'm going to run around, but you never do. <laughs> yeah, this weekend I'm going to, because I normally have a pie at, the, at a football match. So this, <laughs> this week I'm going to go to get a special pie. My, yeah, and... Uh, yeah. I might try that. I'm, I'm going to take your tip there, Dan. When we've got... Okay. Maybe, we're playing Plymouth, maybe. so you've got to get against us. And, uh... yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the good things about away games, is um, especially in the north, and John will back me up here, is the, the pies are, bit, are good. 
especially um, Stoke. Pies are very good at Stoke. Um, yeah. Wigan, excellent at Wigan. Um, but uh, and Rochdale. Yeah. I went Rochdale, to Rochdale, Rochdale and yeah. Wayne all season. That fish and chip shop. Mm. Oh, well, next to the ground. Don't yeah, I didn't want to go to the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. It's all about the food, Ross, really. It's not about yeah. football. <laughs> Honestly, me too. That's what I look forward to the most. Um, but yeah, Ben, you've heard once again, I'm leaving you last, I'm sorry. You've heard a lot of things, but I'm sure you can add plenty more. Um, and that's another thing. I'm sure we're going to be, we've lost generations of supporters probably because some kids probably went and watched a few games on iFollow and went, oh, this is terrible. I'm not going to watch again. I'll rather play Call of Duty or whatever. Um, I know you've got a generation of, you know, supporters in your family who have gone, they've got season tickets and, you know, you travel from Cambridge to go to home games. Uh, I'm sure you go to away games too. But what have you taken from that year about, you know, going to games. I just like everybody else. You just you just miss it terribly uh, for a very long time. Probably two years now. We, we've always joked it would be my my dad and my brother. We'd then meet a few others at, at the Greyhound um, in Ipswich. Other Ipswich pubs are available, um, but we're huge Adnams drinkers. Um, not alcoholics, I must add, but we do like a touch of Adnams. Um, and we'd often joke that that was the best part of the, the actual the event, the evening. You know, if it was a midweek game, you know, managed to get even one pint in, it would be the best thing before going to lose to uh, oh, Fleetwood. was awful, wasn't it, last year? That one, that one nil defeat midweek, I remember. Yeah, and then you, then you get back on the A14 and um, you have to get halfway to disc because I've closed both lanes at Berry and, um, you know, all the way back to Cambridge. They're the sort of things I miss. It's so strange. You know, I miss that. You know, I just miss the event of it. I mean, I miss, you know, everyone misses their family, but you miss, you miss doing that together as a family. It's all about sharing those experiences with, with everyone. And the away game's the same. You know, Tranmere last year was probably the best away game I've been to for years. A winner right near the end. And we had a fantastic night in Liverpool. My brother's um, wife and um, her family are up there, so we stayed with them. It was, you know, what a weekend. That wouldn't have been, obviously, it's not been possible to do that for over a year. Um, or coming up to a year, sorry now. So you know, the same as everybody else has said, you just just miss miss football with with my family, with my friends. Um, I mean, the amount of people over the years I've tried to persuade, cajole, bribe to come along to Ipswich, you know, trying to encourage them, saying the the quality of football isn't isn't as bad as you may think it is, and it's it's um, you know you, it might not be your mane, it's your sours, you know, but. Uh, it's still, you know, it's still a good standard of football, and it's, a, it's a still a bloody good um, evening or, or, or day out, I think. And it, you know, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who have been left without that, and it's it's created a void in many people's lives. And um, it's fantastic that we've had things like this to to try and fill that void. You know, credit to to Ross and your colleagues for sort of giving fans a platform to almost, uh, I guess, it's therapy almost, Ross for us all you know that we can still although we're not shouting at the referee or some seven foot tall bald center half winning everything in the air he's got maybe a little bit of a gut in league one i think there's a bloke for burton i think he's got bostwick i like shouted at him last year first game of the season because he looks like he could play for a pub team but obviously he's better than that but anyway look we all miss that we have to after working you know all week we like to get things off our chest and we're not able to do that so um yeah, terribly missed. Can't wait for it to come back. Um, can't wait to have that beer. But, you know, watch 90 minutes, whatever division we're in, you know, I, I can't wait to go. And um, 
like everybody else has said, it's uh, yeah, thoroughly looking forward to it. Whew, we got deep there, but I enjoyed that. I think that is something we needed to just uh, break up the chat of Lincoln and then on to Plymouth. Um, Paul Cook's first uh, third game in charge of town. Um, hopefully, his first win pending. We'll have to wait and see. I want to hear your thoughts on the game against Plymouth. Um, over to you then, Dan. Um, how are you feeling going into this one? We just about beat Plymouth in the reverse fixture at Home Park. They had a player sent off and that pretty much changed the game and we went on to win the game 2-1. But um, how are you feeling going into this one? Now, Paul Cook's had a now had a week and a, a few more training sessions to work on the team, work on the shape. Um, do you think he'll do many changes? Do you think he will maybe drop Toto, maybe... Bring in some other players. We'll win 2 0. I'm very confident we'll win. On the basis that we have Plymouth are in a on a bad run. They just lost at home to Wigan. But the main thing is we have it, it's a bigger game for Ipswich than it is for Plymouth. Let's face it, it's more more for us to play for. And I think I think Cook will get his first win. I think a couple more training sessions this week will help. I personally wouldn't make too many changes. Probably bring in maybe Judge for Lancaster. A um, bit harsh on Lancaster, but I think Judge, he was on such a good run of form um, before his, his, his bereavement. And um, he just gives us a bit of extra something and stick Jack on the bench. Um, I... Toto, I mean, that's the only change I would make. Toto, I I get what people are saying about Toto. I'm a fan. He, thing about him is, he, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, like Atkinson away, when he heads it and kicks it, that's perfect for him. For the mistake he made against Lincoln, he put in a fantastic block at the end of that game to keep us. Let's not forget that. Um, there's something about him that he's definitely a confidence player. That sounds weird for a six foot four centre back, but he feels to me a confidence player. Wilson is really helping him as well. So I like those two. I, you know, uh, I, you know, Wilson. I would never have thought that James Wilson was going to be the best centre back on our books, but he is. And um, anyway, I mean, I just think Plymouth are a decent side, but. I think we're going to win that. I think we're going to win 2-0. I think Norwood might get a goal, maybe two. Um, but you know what? It's let's face it, if if we if we can get if we get that win against Plymouth, and then we got Pompey away, and then on paper, football's not played on paper, but that's a big opportunity. That really is a big opportunity for us. If we can get through these next two games. Um, and still be in with a chance, um, then, you know, who knows? Yeah, we might see Scoozy back one day. One day we might see Pigs flying Kane Vincent Young in a squad. And um, we'll have to see. But I'm, com I'm confident on I'm confident on Saturday. I, I, really, I really like Cook. I really wanted to get that first win. It, it will mean a lot for him and we can start to maybe get some momentum. Okay then, um, Bloomers over to you. Then are you are you thinking the same as Dan? Um, a win, and uh, Paul Cook off off running with his first win. In our little prediction league, I I put Ipswich to win, but I felt like I almost bottled it because it's not what I truly believed. Um, I think I did it because I got suckered in by everyone else saying we were going to win. 
I'm not quite sure where the pessimism is coming from. Maybe I'm just erring on the side of caution because I remember, and this is very long ago now, thankfully, obviously Roy Keane coming in and the start of his first full season in charge, we went 16 games without a win. And every single game we were so like, oh, well, this game we're going to win. Oh, well, this game we're going to win. We're going to get the win eventually. And it just went on to the point of farce. And I think we got our first win on Halloween, which shows just how long <laughs> away from the start of the season it was. I'm not saying we're going to go 16 games out of win under Paul Cook. I'm just saying I will feel just as relieved as Paul Cook does when that when we get our first win under him, because it's kind of like a, a little bit of a monkey off your back. Um, there's no reason why we can't beat Plymouth. Um, we were lucky to beat them in the reverse fixture at home park. Because I don't think if it hadn't been for the red card, we would have won that game. But we did. So, you know, there we go. Um, Luke Jeffcott for Plymouth is, uh, well, I, I think he's the best player for them comfortably. He's kind of tailed off a little bit in form. He was uh, the player of the month for League One for January. And it was somewhat of a surprise that he didn't uh, go to a, a, another team uh, over winter. But... Yeah, watch out for him if if anyone is interested. We have got a good uh, defensive record. Uh, or we did have a good we have a good home defensive record over the last few games, which is the Gillingham game aside. And the Lincoln goal was a 25-yarder, so we'll, we won't say too much about that. I think 1-0 is well within our reach, so long as we keep organised. Clearly, Cook is trying to implement his, his way of doing things, and we've spoken a little bit about the defensive soundness he wants to bring and playing from the back is still very much part of his philosophy. I hope that NCR learned from his mistake on Tuesday night where he, he got dispossessed and it was very nearly a one-on-one for Lincoln, but got away with it just about. Um, yeah, NCR is very good at last-ditch last ditch challenges, but sometimes you wonder why those last-ditch challenges have to be made in the first place. But yeah, I, I, I do a draw... I can see a win. I can see. I don't think we'll lose. Um, the first goal is is probably going to be crucial because if we if we go behind again, that will be one, two. Well, all three of Cook's games that we'll have gone behind, which isn't a good uh, trend to do. If we get that first goal, I can see things being a lot more comfortable and serene. I can see it being like the uh, the Blackpool game towards the end of Lambert's tenure. But yeah, let's let's see how we get on. Um, I would like to think that we'll get chances as well, just with the fact that we're going to have probably a little bit of the ball and, and again, get near the final third. It's just, can uh, can Cook get that extra bit of quality needed for us to open up and have a bit more chances? I'm not saying it's going to come in, in what, one training session between Tuesday and, and Saturday, but yeah, we'll wait and see. So I'll go 1-0 just because I can't go for a draw. But keep it low. I think it'll be low scoring and I think it will be rather tight. So over to then, then Darren. Um, how are you feeling going into this one? Um, I'm sure we're more excited to actually, you know, look forward to town games again with uh, Paul Cook in charge. Um, do you think it is written in the stars to get his first home win um, and first win as town manager this one? Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, um, in, I've been I've been loving all of his interviews that he's been doing. He's, he's uh, I think it's very really clear that you know to see he's he's just a a good guy, you know, family man. He's mentioned, you know, his, his father who's ill in every interview, you know, so he's very open. Um, and so, yeah, I really hope that the win comes. It should do. 
you know, it should do. Um, Plymouth are in a, a bit of a bad run at the minute. They've lost four of the last five. Um, but then I was a bit scared when I looked at their form. If you look in January and February, turn of the year, they won six, drew four, and only lost one, and that was against Portsmouth. So with any luck, what's happened there is they've now got enough points so they're safe. Um, and, you know, they're just going to not be pushing as hard as we are because it certainly is, as the boys have said, it's a big game for us this weekend. We need a win. Uh, Paul Cook needs a win. The boys need a win. Uh, if the results go our way and we win, we're in the top six. And then then it's a case of, you know, just staying somehow, just keeping there for the rest of the season. So, yeah, it's, it's a, a big game. Um, I would, um, you know, I mean, their last game they lost against Wigan. 2-0, but they hit the post three times. I've just I looked at the highlights earlier. So, you know, that wasn't quite a, the 2-0 that you, you might read into it. Um, and a lot of their goals, um, they're not scoring from crosses, uh, it, headers. They've only scored five headed goals this season. Um, so they're not a team that's going to be, you know, burying, you know, big headers at the far post. So, um we're going to need to be in our in our toes, I think. So I would I would swap Toto for this game. I'd, I'd either put um, Matheson on on the right back to add a bit more pace to the, to the wings, move Chambers inside, or if Chambers stays there, I'd, I'd put Wolfie back in. I, I really like Wolfie and Wilson as a as a partnership. I think um, uh, they're both people that can play. Um, and they're, you know, they're both pretty good defenders. But Wilson, I think Wilson's a good talker to to Wolfie. So, you know, Wolfie can sometimes, he's one of those players that can just like fall asleep every now and again. So, um, and, you know, Toto, as, as we've said, if you want to head it and kick it, Toto's the best in the league. He's he's brilliant at that. You know, he's really physical. But if we've got, a, we've got times where players want to run at him, then he'll just give away a penalty or, you know, he'll he'll mess up, you know. So it reminds me of, um, you know, like like Titus Bramble many years ago. He'd be brilliant for eight, 80 minutes and then have a couple of calamities for the, the next 10. And um, and Alex Bruce as well. The amount of times I've sat, sat next to supporters in the stadium who've applauded Alex Bruce for a brilliant say, a brilliant tackle – but they missed the fact that he gave the ball away 20 seconds before that. So <laughs> he was just saving tackle after saving tackle of, of, of his own doing. So they've scored more goals than us, Plymouth. Um, but most teams have scored more goals than us because we don't score many. Um, and that's actually what in in the in Paul Cook's presser today, he he's I wrote down a few things that he'd said was he wants to build partnerships. He wants to find a way of getting more crosses in the box, more possession in the final third. He wants to create more chances and you'll definitely see um, Jackson at some point for the rest of the season. So these are all positive things. You know, these are all, he wants, he wants to attack. He wants to, mm. so these are all things he'll be saying to the players. Um, you know, we won't say his name and Ben, by the way, you've been fined because you you mentioned the L word. So that's, that's illegal now. Um, but <laughs> the um, uh, the previous manager was all about possession and control. It, it wasn't it wasn't about attacking and creating chances. And so it's it's just great, uh, you know. It's just great to have a manager who's just focused on scoring goals and attacking. And I love that. So um, yeah, I'm going for a win. Um, 
I think I predicted 3-1. But so, uh, yeah, goals. There'll be goals in it. And hopefully we score more than they do. Yeah, that's the, that's the ideal um, situation we want to be in, is score more than, than Plymouth. Plymouth. Um, over to you then, John. Um, a chance for us to get into the top six. I, I said a few weeks ago, season was over. Uh, but that was when we had the other guy in charge, the other Paul in charge. Um, since then, another Paul's come in, and um, it feels everyone's positivity has just been brought up. But um, how are you feeling going into this game? Well, I'm going to go back to kind of the beginning of the season kind of feeling when I seem to say week after week, this is League One. Who should we be fearful of? Why should we be fearing playing Plymouth at home? So, like... Let's just have that little chat with ourselves and go, hang on, we are Ipswich Town. We are a talented bunch of players. We've got a manager who's going to give us confidence and belief. We're going to, we're playing at home. We haven't got a ridiculously long travel. There's no kind of excuses. We, we can get in the top six, you know, depending on other results um, on that day if we perform. Let's not worry about those other results. Let's go out there show what we're capable of, play attacking football and do better than them. Win those personal battles, stick the ball in the net. It's not that difficult. Defend well, good account of ourselves. And if we do that, we've got a really good chance of winning against Plymouth. And let's not overcomplicate it. You know, we can look at different tactical changes. We know he's going to stick with a 4-2-3-1 probably because that's what he does. But we can like look at... I, I would personally... I hear what the guys are saying about Toto and Darren, I'll raise you Alex Bruce or Titus Bramble with Phil Whelan. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm actually... I don't remember him. You're, and you must be really old, John. I am an ancient. <laughs> um, but Phil Whelan was a youngster who came through and played alongside people like Linegan and Brian Gale, I think. Probably got my yeah. ears right there. And I saw him make his debut and he played, he's a big, big lad wasn't didn't look like a footballer. I think he did a law degree at the same time or something like that. And I remember seeing him get sent off. And he was he 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 could score a goal. He was good in the air, uh, a bit like a, a delayed sort of character. You know, on his day he could be quite good, but again, like Bramble, two minutes of the game you would make a mistake. And that's our total. Um, you know, he really is like that. So I would personally, if I was in charge of the team, well, I want to give him a good talking to and say, come on show me that you want to play for the club because otherwise you, you're getting transferred or um, your contract's up in the summer and the next your, your next week's performances tell me whether you want to stay at our club or not. And, you know, come on. And you can say that as pressure. You can say that as motivation. Um, let's turn it into motivation rather than the pressure of playing in front of nobody um, for your job. I mean, that's really a big pressure, isn't it? Getting paid two or three grand a week to play football for... <laughs> I'm sorry, they're not in the real world. Um, so that's not pressure. Pressure's being a professional and, and getting on with it and coping with that. Um, so I would say, come on, lads, we can do that. Show me what you're made of. I would bring Matheson in at right back and move Chambers alongside um, Wilson. And I'm a big fan of Wilson at the moment. I think he's done brilliantly. I think Kenlock's done nothing wrong, so I'll keep Kenlock at left back. I would love to see Skews back at some point because I think he's still got something to offer the team, but I don't think he's probably quite there yet. So imagine it'd be Downs and Bishop. Um, 
I hope Judge is back from the start and I hope he's in a good enough place. I don't know what he's going to do in the front three. Um, he might play Judge in one of those positions, of course. Uh, will he play Dizel again? I wouldn't be surprised if we see Andre miss this one. Um, um, I would probably play Parrot in this game, but I wouldn't have Bennett anywhere near it. I would have Edwards and Parrot um, with Norwood and I would play Judge in the, in the 10 spot. But I'm probably totally wrong. Um, wouldn't be against Wolfenden coming in and doing that job. Because um, my fear is people will watch Toto and what Lincoln did and try to do the same. Um, I don't think we'll need Toto to be that kind of blood and guts player like you do against a Gillingham of this world or Rotherham last year or something like that. Um, I think Wolfie or Chambers, for different reasons, Chambers moving inside to let Matheson have the energy or Wolfie to have the passing um, range um, in the middle of the, the defence there. So I'm, I'm hopeful for a win. I've got no reason to, um, to see why not. I said 2-0. I was almost tempted to go for my old faithful 4-2, but then I realised I needed to have a word with myself. Um, let's just concentrate on going one or two. Um, I can't see us getting four for a while yet, but it's going to click at some point. And as somebody once said, and I won't name him, when it turns, when it turns, uh, you know, and I can see that time coming because, you know, I think it was Bloomers who said the next two games are, are massive. Um, and we've said that all season, but you suddenly get through these two games and it's a, a little bit of an easier run, a little bit of an easier run. Like and Dan said, you don't, it's not playing on um, paper, but, you know, you'd rather be looking at some of those fixtures after the Portsmouth game and stuff than you would be going to Sunderland, Portsmouth, Lincoln, Donny, you know, because then you might not get the points. So I think it will say a lot about where we are. We've said that so many times, haven't we? Cook's going to have a, had a little bit of t more time with some of the players, hopefully tweaking a few things, maybe building the confidence in the, in, in the squad. Um, I'm hopeful for a win. Um, but no doubt I'll speak to you on Saturday. I'll go, oh, it was a bit shit, wasn't it? <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I hope you are wrong. Um, and then over to you then, Ben, to to finish up uh, the Plymouth chat. Um, yeah, what are you thinking? You're not, hopefully, not going to be echoing what John just said. Uh, he's speaking to me on Saturday saying what a load of shit that was. Hopefully, Paul Cook will get his first win as town manager. I know what John's saying. It did make me giggle, actually, because um, there have been many weeks this season where we've gone in with real enthusiasm and, and yeah, everyone's then gone on game day and sort of been, yeah, that was um, atrocious or that wasn't what I was expecting. When actually it should have been, you know, it, we're very positive and really enthusiastic because of Paul Cook and everything that he's brought, you know, to his press conferences. And, um, you know, we, we can't wait to watch our team, you know, on Saturday, which is refreshing because, you know, for the last... However, many times under the previous management, which I'll learn to say now from now on to keep Darren happy. Um, yeah, it was it was abysmal, wasn't it? It was it was it was awful to watch. So look, I'm really pleased that everybody is so positive. But at the same time, I, I, again, we were on the family theme. I spoke to my dad earlier and I said, yeah, I think we'll win three nil. And he was like, sorry, we haven't scored three all season. I was like, well, we scored four at Blackpools. Yeah, but we haven't scored three which I think he's right. We haven't scored three goals all season. We scored four once. That's it. So I don't, I don't know where my blind optimism really on this, on, on this, in the state of things has really come from. I, I just feel that 
as um, John said, when it turns, I think it, I think we're on the, I do feel somehow we're on the cusp of things going in the right direction. Um, changes to the team. Again, we've got too many players, as I said, so we, we, you could make four or five changes and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with the starting 11. It, you know, he is going to keep the same formation. Um, Again, agreeing with um, some of our fellow uh, game day extra timers, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing two up top and us changing to a three-five-two because I think when you do that, that's the best way of dominating the midfield and getting two up front. Um, and of course, that two would be Jackson and Norwood. But there's not—I don't think there's much point having that conversation because he's just not going to do that. So Ken Lock, um, again, revelations as he's come back in the team. That's not going to change. I mean, it's almost like we don't talk about that now. You know, he's come from nowhere. From being Ward's our left back, where who else could we put at left back? We've now got the what's it eating, you know, Miles Kenlock, who's um, up and down, looking a threat going forward. I can't believe a, a single team hasn't um, figured out that he loves to cut inside onto his right foot and then back onto his left. But long may that continue. Um, I, I would look at making a change at right back. Uh, I, I think Chambers is a great servant to the club and, and being a fantastic captain and probably kept it all together at times. Um, but he should play in his proper position. Um, he, he should play at centre half, and if you've got Toto making the mistakes, he does. As much as we seem to all agree that we like the bloke, it, yeah, it, it, Wilson's definitely going to be the mainstay there, and, and Chambers can, can just be brought inside. And, and Matheson, I think, has got to be given a go. I mean, he's got so much potential. He knows the league from his um, short, obviously, the beginning of his career at Rochdale. So um, I want to see him bomb forward because we need more pace in the side, uh, I think. That, that's why with Lancaster, I'm not sure how quick Lancaster is in terms of moving up the pitch. Um, you know, Edwards has got is quick. The one thing Bennett's has got is pace, and that's why you scream at him. At, you know, I don't, oh, everybody has probably do the same thing when I'm watching I follow, screaming at my laptop that you know for Bennett's to learn to cross the ball, or his final ball to be better because he can beat a man. You know, and that's what you're looking for in your winger. He can beat a man. There's no doubt with a step over or his roll over the top of the ball makes a yard, um, which is, you know, exciting to watch, but there's no point doing it if you, there's no end product. So, look, Edwards on one side, please. Probably the left side, he seems to play better there. I know that's it, inverted wingers again, but Edwards' career stats are way better coming from the left than they are the right. Um, I would play judge at number 10. Um, I, again, the same with John. I wouldn't mind seeing Dezel get a rest. Downs is the pivot at the bottom of the midfield, Bishop and Judge. And then obviously it's Norwood through the middle. Um, if we create chances, Norwood will score goals. I just hope that's what we'll see Saturday. 3-0 win. We're on the podcast again and everyone's delighted and we roll on, you know, with a very, again, on paper, you know, football's not played on paper, but the fixtures have, have come out kindly for us. You know, we're very lucky when you look at it. The, the run that we had at the end, um, we, we, obviously with Gillen Walker and, um, and, and Clog in charge, that little... Um, three sort of three games that we that we had has really put us in a much better position than I think we all, all thought we were going to be in so although Cook hasn't had the best of starts we, we haven't had to make up as many points as we thought we'd have to and um, look, I think top two is not is going to be out of reach unless we have an extraordinary run you know which we might with the with the fixtures but um, we've, we've got to be aiming for the playoffs you know that, that's where we've got to be looking at and um, look if we're going to the playoffs on a, on on the run of you know five six game win, then as we know from history that the team that usually goes in with the, in the form book into the playoffs usually come out on top. So um, right now sat here, I'm thinking very positive, and I won't I won't go any further than that. Let's just say a three 0 win for us. 
Love it. And um, as a lot of you guys said, you know, this has been like a February, you know, session for us all the last few months, definitely when we had the other Paul in charge. Uh, but now it's um, it's nice to be positive again and sort of just have a nice chinwag talking about the club we love. Um, but there we go. Um, another fantastic show. Thank you very much, Ben, Darren, Bloomers, John and Dan making his debut on the show. Hopefully we'll be back for a future show in the, the long term. Um, but there we go then. Um, hope you all enjoyed listening. Make sure to give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And if you want to get involved, get in contact at me at Ross Media UK on Twitter. It'd be great to hear some more voices um, and more stories and memories and all that sort of stuff. But there we go. On to Plymouth. Can Paul Cook get his first game, a win in charge of town? We'll wait and see. We'll be back next week, as ever, to bring you more great chat. So there we go. I've been Ross. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.